0: I've got a very cheap hill
1: no, no helicopters. <laughs>
0: uh, no helicopters either. No.
1: Okay. Uh, a very cheap helicopter
0: from Argos. That shows you <laughs> how, how, how atrocious <laughs> it is, and it's it's not pleasant to use. Mm. But at some point, it's it's one of those sort of things. Like I bet it can be made much nicer to use. But it's yeah, gonna it's either pressed
1: like a full pressed steel piece that's. It's just like sort
0: of it's, okay, it's cast, it. cast. It's full. I think it's cast. Mm. I think it's supposed to be a cast base. And then obviously kind of your ground ground flat on three sides.
1: It's more fancy um, than my cheese plane then.
0: Yeah. The I've got an old block plane, which is was one my dad had, That was just it's a tiny little one. And that's just pressed steel with a pin through. And there's a just the, mm-hmm. the, the frog is just another piece of pressed steel, and there's a plastic screw that forces the frog against the blade, and yep. it's impossible to turn. Just, the thing is, it's plastic, it's a funny shape, it's razor sharp, and you can't, it's slippy, hard plastic, you can't get a good grip on it. And the because it's plastic, the ends are deformed, so even if you get the blade nicely lined up and then manage to tighten it. It actually pushes the blade in a funny angle, so yes. that doesn't get used. And then I've got a little, a, a much nicer block plane that I picked up from at first maker central. I went to so 2019. Andy Heal mm. had taken a pile of tools long say? him. Oh, no yes, oh, I got, I, I got, got a fourth one there. From that. Yeah. yeah, which is much nicer. But again get it needs. I, it needs a little bit of TLC. It needs a bit of blade sharpening and stuff like that. Which just, I need to get round to do that. I need to get round and
2: yeah sharpen
0: the chisels uh it's just yeah i I need a day just to sort of sharpen all the chisels but i need another day to get all the sharpening stuff sorted out and i need another day of 10 before that to get the project in a state to
1: well so this has been my thing is i bought the that lengthy sharpening kit thing um i think i sharpened two of the kitchen knives and then it's like, oh, that's, that's a lot of work, we'll just use the button once for a bit until I can be bothered. Um, so that the kind of the, the plan to just sort of stick a movie on at some point that I've seen before and then you know, not need to worry about the sound of just <laughs> while I'm you know, kind of trying to sharpen or pre-grind half of these knives out. There's a temptation to just you go know, and visit Steve and just take them all down there and go, you, you start these for me and I'll, I'll take them back and finish them off. <laughs> Make the knife
3: again. Back when I used to do more woodwork and stuff, which I don't do much of anymore, but when I used to, every Thursday night used to be my chisels, plain blades, kitchen knives, sharpening, extravaganza. If I was doing sharpening, I was doing everything. Scissors, nice. you name it. <laughs> Nothing was not going to be razor sharp in my house. Like, after door, like door
1: stops. Everything. Sharpening them too. everything.
3: <laughs> If it was a wedge, it was going to be razor sharp, yeah. <laughs> shaving sharp on everything. <laughs> Trowels, you name
1: it. It's all these mice in your house, just like cutting the, you know, kind of claws on on the wedges of the cheese in the mousetraps. <laughs>
0: it was interesting because I did, as some people have seen from some posts I've done, uh, and I'll talk a bit more about it in my attention grab. I did a, a wood turning day yesterday. And it's really quite interesting because one of the reasons I've done it is that our men's shit given the lathe and a pile of tools. It's like, yep, let's get the lathe up, let's get the tools sorted out, let's let's learn how to turn. And you know, there's there, there's no one that's kind of sort of stands out as, oh yes, I've been turning for 30 years and I've I've instructed and I'll show you everyone how to do it, type thing. So right, I want some I want some instruction from somebody who's kind of been turning for 40 years, actually. Um, and yeah, so I feel more confident about going and using the one we've got. And all the chisels we've got, all the turning tools, gouges, etc. apart from one, are blunt. Yeah, if, if you mm-hmm. want to hurt somebody, you're better off just holding the metal end and whacking them with the handle. Um, probably cause more damage than the, 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 the supposed pointy end. But we've got there's one sort of sharp one. It's like yesterday. It's like, okay, right, we're going to do a, yeah, right, We'll Make the bowl a little bit deeper, and yeah, I'll start you off in this in the center, and then you're going to go around right to, to this point here, which is mark a pencil, and then we'll go to the next level and we'll just go down, sort of creating like a, a false bottom in the bowl and just creating a whole bunch of those to learn slot of technique. And it was this case of right, okay, right, you've got to the edge now, okay, right, let's sharpen the tool and like right, sharpen every pretty much every, after every kind of sort of bit of turning. So every five to ten minutes, the tool's getting sharpened again
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's amazing the difference it made as well yeah just you could, you could certainly feel the difference yeah if you had if it hadn't been sharpened for a bit uh, it's just yeah, and it's, it's, I, I think I it's one of those things if you don't actually level. do that, if you don't experience that, you don't necessarily appreciate,
3: yeah. No, and I think in not not in a dissimilar way. Fabric scissors, like if you're using Mm -hmm. fabric scissors that have only ever been used on fabric, compared to just like any scissors that you found and are trying to cut something out, you know, it's night and day, isn't it? And like actually, the joy of proper sharp fabric scissors, yes, it's a joy. that's the noise I'm looking for. (laughs)
1: it's the same thing like leather working tools and things like yeah. that it's it's those kind of materials that are really tough on a honed edge that you just you, you notice it straight away when you you know when there's like uh, same with book binding
0: paper yeah paper awful it's absolutely yeah, awful yeah. blades yeah it's, it's, I agree that, Lucas yeah but, but I can remember as a kid going to kind of haberdasheries with my mum and I, I used to be fascinated. I wasn't so fascinated as much by the materials, but I always kind of he- head around because, yeah, you know, she's like, okay, I'm going to go look. You just have a wander around, don't get in trouble, or whatever. And I'd always head to the hardware and the tools. And then, yeah, you know, she kind of, you know, I'd find her at the kind of, the, they'd also have these giant desks in the middle of the shop, or maybe at the edge, but yeah, you know, there'd be these huge sort of desks that would be you know, the width of a bolt of fabric. And so a couple of meters. So six foot at least wide. And then, yeah, it would be 10, 15 feet long in some shops. And they'd have metal rulers embedded along one edge. And, yeah, they were just like amazing kind of sort of desks. And I'd, I'd love to have a shop, workshop where you've got something like that. Not necessarily for fabric, just, just to have this huge sort of desk. It's
2: big and, just, there, it's
0: awesome. just, just seeing, kind of, yeah, like you said, just seeing... Yeah, the, the the people working in there kind of you know just they they'd start off and just slice through. I, it's just it's just fascinating. Yeah, you know, they'd get the and yeah, I try it at home with my mum's sort of fabric scissors, which were you know not used for anything else,
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: on pain of death. <laughs> yeah, and I try it on scraps and it was like, yeah definitely a technique to it. The, the scissors were probably sort of sharper and I think they were sort of bigger than the ones my mum had. But it's it is it's yeah having the right kind of sort of scissors
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's it's I've got a pair of, I've got a pair of scissors that I had when I was working in industry many years ago but it's just they weren't super expensive ones but they were nice and they were just so useful to kind of yeah. Just,
3: yeah. if I'd known I don't we, use we were paper. going to be chatting scissors I would have brought my scissor collection with me I got so. <laughs> <laughs> uh i used to work for the nhs a long time ago um and they've got great scissors right they've got amazing scissors so i every time there was a pair of scissors going in the bin they came home with me so i've got like (laughs) ones at a 45 degree angle so you can snip things and ones with huge handles for really like cutting through casts and stuff that you know will will Um. dismantle a cardboard box in seconds they are uh, (laughs) love scissors
1: the, the paramedic scissors is um, <clears throat> super useful. Um, trauma shears, yeah. Yeah, the trauma shears are, are fantastic. And, and that's what I brought with me to make a central for the leatherwork stuff. Because it, it, they don't care what the hell they're cutting through. They'll just they'll cut through it anyway. Yeah, and, and they're they're, like, cut, cut through a pair, yeah. yeah, exactly,
0: yeah. I'll cut through a coin. I've cut through coins yeah. with them just to sort of see how strong they are. Obviously, not ones of legal tender, because just in case that.
1: Geez, geez. I'm not a two pound coin. No, no, because some am tight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> something, something roughly copperish, mm-hmm. roughly
2: it's
0: a million, probably cost about a, of a, of <laughs> yeah, a, penny. a penny or two. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but are we talking pre decimalisation?
0: Are we talking? Uh, oh, no, no. Because it's pre-decimalization. Ah, I wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've got. I agree with you on sort of the medical sort of series because my dad was a. uh, He spent his entire career, well, most of his career, kind of in doing medical things, and Mm -hmm. so I've got, I've got a pile of, and clamps as well, hemostats. They're good for clamping
3: things. Yeah, I've got some really long. Yeah, great, got some really great for long... getting
0: hair out of uh, shower, <laughs> shower uh, grades.
3: I've got some really long um, locking hemostats that are probably, I don't know, 20 inches long, and they are really helpful in the puppet really? thing because stuff will often come loose in the head, like the you know the screws that hold the eyes on or oh, whatever, and then I can just re- kind of um, probe this puppet <laughs> from underneath. Yeah. Maybe I've said too much, but anyway, they <laughs> great. I use them all the time.
1: And the yeah, I the, the smaller ones are really handy for three D printing for things like removing support material. I've got a, a couple of sets of the kind of straight ones and then curved ones, just for for that kind of getting into something where you've you accidentally left the support material on for a, mm-hmm. a bolt hole or something, and you trying to get in grip it. <laughs> Pull
0: it out. Yeah. I, I listened to something the other day. I, I can't remember what it was now, but it was talking about kind of how, yeah, you know, who was it that sort of first worked out that, yeah, you know, dental tools might be good for modeling? Might be Adam Savage, mm-hmm. the sort of thing he would talk about. And it's, it's amazing how any kind of medical ish toolery is actually you know, very, very useful if you're making. Mm-hmm. I'm like i use scalp, carving scalpels are
3: uh, i prefer
0: them to exacto knives
3: mm-hmm. especially um i can't remember what number they are the curved blade ones for what i do especially if you're cutting a curve
1: 10 10 or 10a a. use a swan 11. No, yeah the 11 fun. straight isn't it yeah
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. but i think the. So i like the, a the small
1: it. curved one
3: Mm-hmm. Which I think mm. is a six.
1: If only we had a yeah. doctor who could inform us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> who could ch- chip into the chat with all the scalpel knowledge.
0: <laughs> Someone I've got a Swan Morton pathology knife God. with a removable blades. That's quite an interesting one. The, the quite a big blade, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, it's it's a chunky, it's a strong blade. It's, yeah, it's good for so delicacy isn't block.
1: necessary. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, these things. I think these things are. I. I like when things cross over from one domain to another.
1: Mm-hmm. You don't yeah, have to be careful crossing the streams, though.
0: Yes. Yeah, you don't want to do that twice. Yeah. <laughs> um. But the yeah, I mean, obviously, there's things like yeah taking something from say, for, say medical to make it but also when you kind of go ah yeah actually i want to i want to make this thing i've got woodwork stuff but i want to do this in metal uh, okay aluminium or brass will do and i can use my woodworking things mm-hmm. you, know, and you kind of sort of modify them or you kind of yeah, you know, yeah. You know, if you've got a suitable router and you, you, know, you mill a bit of metal with it being very careful obviously
1: the other way around is a lot easier, though, using metalworking tools on wood. On other yeah. than, okay, welding wood is quite difficult. Right?
0: I've heard. You've got to get the right wire. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah,
1: just Blacksmithing wood doesn't really go down <laughs> to <them. laughs> I've, I've seen that, people get out of spoons,
3: them. though. And they just burn the, the, the scoop out rather than yeah. chisel it out. Yeah.
0: Good point. Never tried that. Uh, yeah. Actually, that, that a little bit, but not actually to make a scoop. Yeah, could be interesting. They, they
1: do it for you putting still... the handles on things, are not they? Where you heat the bit of metal up and then just force the handle on. Yeah. Burn out the, the correct shape. Like,
3: keep meaning to ask Steve about that, actually, or somebody who knows these things, because. What was I watching the other day oh, about how they make Japanese kitchen knives and they'd made this beautiful kitchen knife and then they'd like tempered it. You know, they heated it up and tempered it by just looking at it and flicking water at it and stuff and ages tempering the blade perfectly. And then they got the tang red hot to push it into a piece of wood. Mm. And I was like, surely that's messing with all the mythology stuff that you've just spent hours doing. But I'm assuming that I just don't know what I'm talking about and actually <laughs> there's some trick to it or well, I
1: mean, it. he oh. has said he knows these things.
3: There you go. Yeah, I, think
1: I, I would imagine it. You've
0: got to get. The specific part of the metal heated up to the right temperatures and conduction alone is probably not going to be sufficient to do that. Mm.
3: You're
0: the physicist, Andy. I, I don't know. Yeah, but not metal, I'm not <laughs> metallurgy is not my, my my strength. It's not something I've done a huge amount of.
1: Is this um, where we make a lot of really wild kind of claims that are absolutely not based in any reality <laughs> and put Steve on a timeout? On the yeah, <laughs> yeah, we could do that. Sounds yeah.
3: right. Sounds right to me. Yeah. I know that there's a few. If you kind
0: of follow people like uh, Grant Alexander and um, Austin Saunders on Instagram uh Austin host has hosted two years on the trot uh what's called the high caliber camp and both times they've made first time they made a cleaver and this last time they made a steak flipper both involved heating a tang up and then burning the handle onto the tang Mm -hmm. um yeah
3: Something like a steak flipper, it doesn't matter whether it's soft. or, And with a cleaver, it's the mass, isn't it, that you're after, rather than the hardness. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, who knows? Not me. Steve, obviously. That's who knows.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and no doubt, yeah, amongst sort of knife makers and the like, there's probably multiple schools of thought. Mm. Yeah. and various sort of arguments and then the scientists will come along and say, Well, in theory and then somebody else will come well, along, well in practice theory don't work.
1: It's only a relatively new thing, this whole, you know, metal working and heating and hitting things and stuff, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. not like there's a long history of it or anything.
3: No, they're still figuring it out. They're still figuring <laughs> it out. Things are really gonna come on in the next ten years, I like. think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like nuclear fusion yeah yeah
3: <laughs> Always funny years the, away. the two big breakthroughs liquid fusion <laughs> and forge welding
0: as <laughs> uh, steve's just pointed out yes there are many schools of thought um, but obviously they're all wrong and he's right hmm. actually Natural. yeah, yeah completely understandable <laughs> oh <laughs> I
1: have to start coughing now. <laughs> yeah, i my I'm very hoarse and very tired after my uh, <laughs> my weekend playing in the south. So yeah, very um yeah, yeah. yeah, well no, it's it's the it's the um lots of like of alcohol and two lots of talking. Yeah, the the talking before the alcohol. The alcohol was to to kind of try and soothe the throat. That was why it was was lots of it.
0: Yeah. The throat was already bad
1: at that point, you know, from from all the talking and walking around the big city and things. That's the excuse I'm sticking with,
0: obviously. (laughs) It's the the smog in London. That's what it is. There was
1: a little bit of, like, blow the nose, and it shouldn't be that colour, you know, kind of thing. It's It's fairly standard for day day one london kind of thing i talked so, like with all that like, the pathology stuff and things as all there's there's a lot of that kind of really interesting you know kind of uh what the hell would you do with that bit of equipment kind of stuff in you know, all like the medical areas and some really really weird and wonderful looking things that you know you kind of read the description and go well i'm glad you know medicine's moved on a lot from that point of view you know the 1970s were horrible you
0: know, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of essentially wood tools in kind of orthopedics.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of soles, things that were medical labs. tools that have now become wood tools.
3: <laughs> What's the? Uh, I don't, know, I can't remember now. But there's a, a joiner's saw, some sort of joiner's saw that is. Uh, oh wow. Well, Remember, yeah, like but... a bit like
1: uh, uh, fret saws and things that are uh, not fret saws, but like the, the it's a very very thin blade, but with like a top mm-hmm. rib. Kind of yeah, name. like a gentleman, a, a gentleman saw. A gentleman's yeah, saw. Exactly. I was just about to say yeah. gentleman saw. Yeah. I think they, they, those were started off in for like yeah bone saws and things, mm-hmm.
3: whipping a finger off and those kind of things.
1: Yeah, exactly. lots of things like the um, you know chainsaws and band saws and things that you know, sort of started off in. Medically type stuff and then became more useful for other things as we left those barbaric practices behind.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, talking about barbaric practices, uh, Kaz has just made a point in the, the chat, yeah. That, uh, chainsaw was invented for childbirth,
1: yeah, um, exactly. Yeah,
0: which uh, I mean, the bandsaw came out of the meat processing world,
2: yeah,
0: so it's, it's a slightly different blade, yeah, but the scalloped blade rather than a. Um, a
1: set blade. Mm. Yeah, That's what awesome. I'm thinking about. Cutting through vaguely meaty body parts stuffs.
0: Yeah, a frozen body part. Yeah, frozen body parts. Mm. Just to make it a little bit tougher. Maybe we should get back and get on puppets. It's starting to get a bit emotional. Yeah. any yeah. We'll, we'll
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> <their> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Americans listening while they eat their dinner. We do apologize. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's about tea time there isn't it yeah. or tea time or dinner time oh i not a bit of an assumption there
3: I don't know what Americans call it, it causes a lot of confusion in my house because I say tea time I'd I say it's
1: bad enough trust trying to do with like a sort my wife from the midlands and me from the north it's yeah you know, I, I changed it just myself in yeah, the north <laughs>
0: yeah i I, I grew up on i grew up on dinner was at lunchtime and
1: tea was dinner strictly speaking dinner is supposed to be the biggest meal of the day so if if you have sophie for for doing your your kind of your hard labor up in the north kind of thing that was the the, lunchtime was your was your dinner because you need the big meal to get you through the the sort of afternoon shift Um, and the evening meal for the uh,
3: Okay. So does that count for any time you have your biggest meal that's the, that's dinner?
2: It's supposed to be, yeah.
3: Okay.
2: Well, you
0: Quite often like, I have
2: my dinner picture.
1: at like breakfast.
3: midnight. <laughs> 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 yeah, or a cook for breakfast.
1: Yeah. Well yeah, so you, you could you could have dinner for breakfast. Since so you just break it you'd be breaking your fast with your dinner. Which does also mean if you, you know, sleep in all day and then the first thing you eat is you know, three o'clock in the afternoon it's still breakfast even if it's you know, yeah you know, that, that one food. makes sense
0: yeah, yeah. hard to Sorry. think about having a kind of a cooked breakfast for breakfast and that being your biggest meal of the day being your dinner as well yeah that sounds that a bit confusing <laughs>
3: One of my favourite things about this podcast, and why I'm glad to be on it, is that in four minutes we've gone from Chainsaw Childbirth to talking about which is your biggest meal of the day.
1: And chainsaw <laughs> like smooth- Childbirth is absolutely uh, a fantastic grunge band, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: I think so. <laughs> Patent pending, no one's still that. I'm <laughs> <other from> that. <laughs> uh,
0: Rocky, yeah, it's...
1: Pause in mid, mid sentence to cough, are they?
0: <laughs> yeah. Laughing sense, yeah. Get the coughing going, a bit
2: more
0: than uh, yeah. Still not fully recovered. Uh, mm. uh, puppets, let's get into puppets.
1: Yes, okay. How I you puppets. Puppets. What are you known for? What do you do? <laughs>
3: I don't know. What am I known for? Um, I make puppets Definitely. mostly, um, puppets and props. And stuff, uh, mostly puppets. Um, that's me. Uh, I don't really know what I'm known for. I don't think I'm known for anything, am I?
1: Um, I think, I think
0: puppets. I think you know, for puppets, mm-hmm.
1: anyone who was at Maker Central last year,
2: I yeah.
0: happened
1: to wander past either Dandels at random mm-hmm. or uh, the Make with Maker's come Yeah,
3: because I, I, liked, the... I like to make puppets, but I'm not a puppeteer, like, I don't have. Like, I can do mm. a bit, but I'm not as skilled as some people. There's a lot of people puppet walking God. around who think that Dandals is me because he was walking around <laughs> with the puppet all the time. So they assumed he'd made the puppet, which is a fair enough assumption to make.
1: Um, it's white dude with a beard. Right? Yeah. Could be. Could be any of us, right? Um, yeah, I mean,
0: that was, that was, that's 75% of mm-hmm. Maker Central, isn't it?
2: Mm.
0: White guy with yeah. a beard. And the rest My of them are just children. <laughs>
3: yeah. Apparently you can watch it on YouTube when it's on, when it's happening. You can like, there's bits of it are live streamed and stuff. I don't know if I've seen, I've, I've always been there. I haven't been at home watching it. Um, my dad said, oh, I was looking for you and I just kept thinking I'd seen you, but that was just everybody there just looked exactly like you. And I was like, yeah, kind of a little bit. It's a bit of a problem in the maker community, actually, that we're all pretty the same. Um, anyway. Yeah. So that's me. I make puppets and stuff. Um, so how did you get into puppets? Uh, by accident, really. Um, so I've always made things. I've always liked making things um, from when I was a kid up until, you know, forever. And then... Uh, when did I have my first puppet? So I had a lot of puppets as a kid that I bought and I messed around with. And then actually... I don't know when it was, five years ago, something like that, in the Fools with Tools group, somebody suggested that we all make puppets of ourselves for April Fool's Day and put them on Instagram. Do
1: you remember that? I do, yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, And up until that point, I'd always had this, like, love of puppets, but I'd never... It didn't occur to me that I could make one. Does that make sense? Um, Like... I think because when I was like growing up watching Fraggle Rock and um, the Muppets and Sesame Street and things, I didn't look at those things on screen and think that's a manufactured product. I looked at it and thought yeah. that's Gonzo and Gonzo is yeah. a character. Yeah,
1: that, that's a person. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's a real living thing. No one made Gonzo or Wembley. Yeah. They just emerged from wherever they emerged from and are hilarious and then they go away when my TV's off. So, um, It was only that uh, impetus, I suppose. And then I looked up some really simple puppets and started messing around and then did my first kind of, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, flat assembly puppet, you know, with um, EVA foam and cutting and sticking um, to make a 3D shape. And then just sort of fell in love with it, really, because it was that thing that, you know, like, as a kid, those were my favorite programs. And then I had made something that, in retrospect, was crap. But <laughs> but I made it. That's right? point. And it, Yeah, exactly. And I, uh, yeah, so that's how I got into it. It's kind of by accident. Um, and I always, uh, you know, always talk to my friends who aren't makers, especially who aren't fools makers. Uh, and they'll say to me, like, why are you doing that? And I'll say, oh, because a stranger on the internet who I've never met dared me to or because somebody in a group of other strange people said let's make a puppet and I was like yeah let's
1: uh Um, that that is you know summed up perfectly there Mm.
3: (laughs) um so that's how I got into puppets and then I've just been making them pretty consistently for the last yeah five years um I don't really I don't know. I don't know why I keep doing it. I just, just really like it. It's good fun. I like things that are silly and stupid and are not, you know, like bring joy
1: to people's faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, of...
3: they cheer, you know, they're just a fun, stupid thing to have. And then hmm. why not? Why wouldn't I want that in my world? You know, like why don't yeah. I want stupid stuff in my house? <laughs>
1: that's a great reason to to make something as well is for that kind of you know that, that dopamine hit that you get from making it and then knowing that it, it's something that will just by its very presence by its very existence will make it mm-hmm. someone else have those same feelings it's a, it's a great reason to do that
3: that's the plan i think anyway and i do um you know i don't i don't do this full time i'm not a full- time maker and I'm, absolutely no interest in being a a influencer or whatever you call this, you know, like the whole Instagram thing or the YouTube thing. Um, So I've got a proper job that I do nine to five, Monday to Friday. Um, And like my job is pretty stressful and pretty like unpleasant. So actually I don't want to go into my workshop and try and do something super serious and be like focusing on, you know, when I was, first getting into making stuff i was making stupid stuff and then i kind of drifted into trying to do woodwork properly and like trying to hand cut dovetails and things and like just found it super stressful (laughs) and hated it um and now you know i just go in there and i just think what's the stupid thing that i could make well i'm gonna make this i'm gonna make you know whatever i'm gonna make a giant hammer i'm gonna make a cup of tea that's also a puppet. I'm going to make whatever, and then I just do it. It's fun, it makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that.
2: that's
0: I think that's some would argue that's the kind of the a, a route to happiness, isn't it? Where you, you're doing something that has a certain level of difficulty that there's a challenge that is overcome or that can be overcome, mm. but it's not so challenging that it is stressful. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think you're. I mean, like you say with, you know, the fine joinery, it's, is, it is, I'm sure there are people who find it not stressful. Yeah. Like anything else, but it's, it, different people will find different things stressful. And mm. yeah, fine joinery can be very, very difficult. Yeah. It takes a lot of care, a lot of time, but that focus for some can be just the, the right level of stress, that kind of creates a challenge that's overcomeable. That then, yeah, gives them that satisfaction.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, it was because I was taking it so seriously. If that makes sense, you know, like, yeah. If there was a gap, in like a one millimeter gap, I would be like, shit, it's rubbish. Um, because it, I'm doing a serious, you know, craft of like, that I've got
1: to take it seriously precision and perfection
3: yeah whereas actually if my puppet's got a boss eye that probably adds to the character and is more funny
1: (laughs) i I suppose there's an element there as well of you know kind of we know kind of instinctively when we look at you know two bits of wood joined together we we kind of we know whether it's a good joint or a bad joint or we we know what it's supposed to look like but if it's a, a nebulous creation of a thing that's never existed that's coming out of your mind. The only person who might know that a stitch is dropped or an eye's wonky or stuff like that is gonna be you. To anyone else it's just this is the new creation itself. So we would just see the the creature for who they are and and not and you know notice any, any kind of flaws that you might have noticed because it is the complete package that you know in that sense for Something that is kind of more established as a thing, we know what it's all supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, mistakes then can be kind of picked up. By, I suppose.
3: No, and I think um, I'm sure that you know there are other puppet makers and better puppet makers than me that would look at the stuff that I make and be like, "Oh, it's not blended. It seems very well." Or why not, have you done yeah, it that way? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you haven't got very good eye focus. Um, something like that. But I think actually. Um, but I guess because I'm not taking it seriously, I don't care. Mm. I say what they like. <laughs> I'm happy to accept any criticism, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: it's and it, and it, Is
0: it possibly that it's also, if you compare, like, again, fine joinery to the sort of puppetry? With fine joinery, it, it's such a, it's, it's a pervasive part of things we see. You go to a National Trust house and you'll see some fine furniture and you might sort of, it might be a drawer sticking out from a desk and you'll see the dovetails at the side and they'll be perfect. And you know, you see something on Instagram and there are probably proportionally significantly more fine woodworkers on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube than there are puppet makers. Not that it's important that puppet makers at that point. But we see, for example, with dovetail joints, we know what a dovetail joint should look like. We know that there are some very fine examples of dovetail joints in National Trust places. We see people on Instagram showing off here, that's the dovetail joint I just made for this, this box, this drawer, whatever. Because what we don't necessarily think about is the fact that, yeah, that National Trust house with that dovetail joint in the drawer, that desk, was made by somebody that was probably Thirty years into a career, it was probably the mm-hmm. thirty thousandth dovetail joint that they'd made by hand, and had been making since they were you know 12, 14 years old. Mm. And of course, it's yeah, you know, we're seeing only the ones that have survived, the finest ones. We're not seeing the ones that are on the back of a. Relatively cheap, although maybe old, you have know, a bureau or, or, or something where it was kind of, yeah, it was, it was just a bit rough and it just happens to have survived. And the majority were probably, yeah, you know, if you looked at the majority of furniture in the 19th century and 18th century, a lot of it was probably quite rough, even with the dovetail sort of joints, because, you know, they were made by people who were not as experienced, not as skilled, without the, the highest quality tools. And a lot of that just, of course, has just all disappeared. And we don't see that. And of course with, with that's that, this big thing with kind of the, like social media and the comparisonitis, we, mm-hmm. you know, we have this, I think we have this issue. Uh, I, I don't know many people that haven't been affected by it. There, there are some who we're constantly comparing our full range of experience of trying to do the same thing to the show reel that's been yeah. curated and picked. Uh, yeah it's, it's it's a dangerous game mm-hmm. I, I think I think choosing something that is less common I think it's really clever because that's going to there's there's less opportunity to compare
2: mm.
0: and as you say every it, as Jamie sort of said yeah a puppet creation is nebulous there isn't yeah a dovetail joint. Yes, there can be variations in angles, and there can be variations, you know, it's a blind dovetail joint, or, or whatever, there's, there's a variety of slightly different styles of it, but essentially a dovetail joint is a dovetail joint, and everyone knows exactly what a dovetail joint should look like, you know, ignoring kind of variations in spacings, um, but, yeah, you know, the, the general principle is exactly the same. A, a puppet, you know, you've got the beauty of, what, what, what was a puppet supposed to look like? however you make it
3: exactly and i think you know i think with with um i don't know what i was going to call them proper crafts or trades or something but things like dovetail joints or things like um you know anything like that i suppose woodwork metalwork ceramics it's a stationary object that's observed stationary um Mm. Whereas actually, you know, like if you look at Jim Henson's early, if you look at the very first Kermit the Frog or Sam the Frog from Sam and Friends, they're like, they're rubbish. They're really badly made puppets. Um, the, one of the Kermit the Frogs has just got a, the leg off an old pair of jeans sewn to the back of it because it was going to be on black and white telly. So it didn't matter that it was a different color. <laughs> um, oh, <wow. laughs> but like, they're so rough and ready but you know, like actually, that spawned the Muppets and and everything that we love, because it's not so much about what it looks like, uh, mm. or it's it, it. Because when you see it in motion and when it's performed properly, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Um, there's a video on YouTube. I will try and find it of Jim Henson talking about making puppets, and he's just like sat at a desk covered in rubbish. Um, Know, wooden spoons and envelopes, and he just picks things up and starts like talking to the envelope and talking to the wooden spoon. And yeah,
1: well, he... a friend of my dad's is a, a puppeteer, um, next BBC producer a guy called Peter Charlton. And uh, he, he kind of goes, tours around schools doing thing, um, puppets and praises, called. And uh, it's most of his uh, puppets, you know, he'll do like the nativity kind of. Thing and, like and it, it's all wooden you know different sized wooden spoons with faces drawn on and it's, it's kids mesmerized and I, I grew up with this in school you know every year you know, kind of come around and do the same thing we'd all just be just transfixed staring at this you know it was, it was a, a high box thing as well so you know he's, he's kind of he's just stood in it waving these wooden spoons up <laughs> you know, behind a curtain kind of thing, shouting over a mic it was, it, it was amazing you know it didn't need to be gorgeous you know um articulated or animatronic thing or anything it was Mm -hmm. it was uh it, it was the character itself
3: yeah and i think uh in the puppet world in the puppet makers world people get really i don't know what the word is caught up with obsessed with like hiding their seams and hiding their work and you know that they want it to look like an organic thing which is great, and I totally get that, and I fall into doing that as well sometimes, and uh, you know, picking seams with a needle for hours, try and make them disappear and stuff. Um But actually, you're never going to convince somebody by your craftsmanship that Kermit the Frog is a real frog. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, hey, what are
0: you saying? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I'm, he's not uh, an amphibious frog. He it's a different. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. Um, okay. Different, exactly. Just
0: different species. Right, okay. Yeah. I, I can't swim
1: on his own. <laughs> no. Frog <laughs> is furious. Very waterlogged.
3: <laughs> um, but, you know, so, but actually, so the, what brings them to life is the performance. It's not so much the, what they look like. It's not the be all and end all of the situation. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think is another thing about, I guess, maybe what I like about it is because I'm not going to perform them, they're never really finished. So they're never really. Like i never have to apologize that it's a bit crap because it's only for me
1: <laughs> leave it to someone else to bring them to life yeah exactly dandles can do
0: that uh, it. i mean yeah. see, so here, here's, a, here's a question a thought question one more question maybe has the the amazing advancements in video effects cgi call it what you will over the last I'd say the last twenty years. I mean, obviously, VFX has been something that's been happening for a much longer, but certainly the last sort of fifteen to twenty years has that almost spoiled the art of storytelling. Oh,
3: that is just not just to the kind way of I put it right. into
0: a slightly different frame. If I, if I think back to yeah, my childhood, um, sort of you know, pre, slightly preteen, watching things like and. and and definitely free team watching things like you know the the batman uh adam west batman on tv uh the a-team knight rider uh blake seven yeah hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy on tv and when you watch those now you go back and, and see some of those ones some of those programs yeah the some of the, the effects, some of the kind of the props, were absolute rubbish. They really were.
1: second head, for instance.
0: Watching David's <laughs> second head, yeah, TV series. Some of the stuff from some of the earlier uh, Doctor Who. Mm. You know, going back into the classic series of Doctor Who. But when you, when watching those, as a kid, and I'm sure I, I, I can't parents aren't ran now to kind of sort of ask them um but it'd be interesting to kind of sort of think about you know people who were adults you know people who were in their kind of you know 20s 30s 40s back when i was sort of preteen and teenager were th- uh, were they kind of watching it in the same way that i might watch something now and go oh yeah yeah i can see that you can see that that's or they, mm. I'm, I'm sure that they were as engrossed in the the, the story
1: as i was as a kid They hadn't seen any better, though. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think... uh, I went to see Jurassic Park, the very first original film version, in the cinema. And I remember, you know, like they're in the Jeep, aren't they? And then they look up at that Diplodocus and everybody in the cinema went... (gasps) Yeah. And actually, if you watch it back now, it's really quite janky. (laughs) It's far from perfect visual effects. Um, But at that time, you know, I was only a kid, but my mum and dad, my big brother, every grown up in the cinema, that blew their mind. That was a dinosaur. And I think actually, um, you know, if just it's because it was unexpected in some way, it was, Mm -hmm. you know, you'd become used to at that point, the kind of, uh, you know, the Harryhausen or the Phil Tippett stop motion monster. So, you were sort of expecting the camera to pan up and you would have that same visual experience, and it was just totally different. So, you were like, Oh my god, that's amazing! And then, yeah, now we're so used to that CGI thing that it takes again, something else to make us go, That's amazing. I haven't seen the new avatar effects now. (laughs) Well, I think it's about blending the two, isn't it? And about you know, um, having. That's what's so good about things like the Mandalorian and stuff. I think is, you know, they've got that huge, big—I can't remember what it's called—but the massive L-, L, big screen that they perform everything in front of, so that the lighting mm. is right, and then the Grogu is a is a puppet controlled by, you know, ten puppeteers or something, and that just adds to the, the, the character and the actor's ability to get into the the role, I suppose, and yeah. then behind that you do all the CGI stuff that's amazing. Um, and then the blurring between those two worlds is what makes you think like no because that's real because he
2: yeah
3: he just picked that up and moved it, and the shadow was right, and mm. you know so I think uh, I thought you were gonna say, do you think that the advent of c g i has killed the need for puppets and stuff, and I was gonna say, no, I
0: don't <laughs> no i I don't think it has I don't think it has because of things like. The Mandalorian. I, I still need to watch. I only watched one episode of it so far. So I still need to catch up with that. Um, yeah, it's good. There's too, too much stuff on TV, and you know? I don't watch much TV. Um But so I don't. I don't think there's that. I think puppetry, and I think the, the the animatronics that have been. I mean, I can remember seeing reading books about animatronics back in the '80s. and fascinated by it, and I I kind of wanted to sort of. Explore that as a route, but never did. Um, for a variety of reasons, probably best not discussed here because it'll just take too long. Um, it'd be too much like therapy, but yeah, I think what I see people making now with the kind of the advancements in servo technology, for example, yeah, I had a remote control car but I was you know, in, in my teens, and yeah, the servos. Were the only ones you could get, and they were, yeah, two inches long, inch thick, two inches high, yeah, not that powerful, needed huge batteries to, to get anything from them. Of course, the battery technology was huge and didn't last very long. And now we see what you can get in terms of servo technologies mm. yeah, and the remote control technologies. Yeah, it. I, I, I follow um, PodPad Studios on... YouTube and Instagram and yeah, yeah. When they're talking about kind of the 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 remote control technologies they're using to control their their various their their R twos or their Uh um, they've got they're building one of the battle bots from the kind of the future. Uh, At the moment, it's like so many channels plus programmable things plus Uh Uh and just that ability to do that. The technology has come on so far.
2: Uh,
0: and and just materials
3: yeah definitely And i think i was what was i watching the other day the original um i don't know if it's the original but it's the original to me the teenage mutant ninja heroes film from the from the 80s or 90s there was a henson production and they've got big animatronic heads yeah it was yeah um and they're they're like amazing for the 80s like they're incredible um but then, like, actually, their their range of motion is so limited because you can only cram so many servos in the eighties <laughs> into a helmet. Um, and if you look at things like, um, well, the Mandalorian again, but they, you know, they've got a real like life size Rancor in one of the series, and just the, the the subtlety of movement that you get, like twitch of an eyebrow or something, because you can have ten times, a hundred times the servos that you could cram in before yeah. um yeah i love that a, stuff.
0: Curli- a curling lip mm-hmm. yeah
3: that's my uh, next thing i want to make actually is um a curling lip mechanism it's quite it's not that difficult to do controlled by hand you just um have to have like opposite pivots so the bottom jaw curls the top lip and the top jaw curls mm-hmm. the bottom lip through cabling um so yeah that's on the on the bucket list. A snarling puppet of some kind. <laughs> I mean, is, there, is
0: there a lot of is there a lot of kind of instruct? I mean, I, I, puppetry is not something I've explored on on sort of YouTube and the like. But is there is there much in the way of kind of books, tutorials,
3: um, or are you quite, kind of having
0: to kind of work it out as you go along?
3: There's quite a lot of. Um, you know, like how to make an, a puppet and the foam work and the carving and, and those bits and the fabric work is quite often you know how do you how do you sew a hand how do you blend a scene those kind of things um but actually the mechanism side of stuff which is something i kind of really do enjoy is is so specific that actually watching, I watched YouTube videos about mechanisms and there are lots of them out there and some of them are helpful and some of them really aren't actually. But if you understand simple machines, that's, that's your better way of doing it because essentially, it, you know, you're talking about cams or levers or pivots. Mm,
2: yeah.
3: Um, so actually I spend a lot more of my time watching, you know, like GCSE bite size physics videos about simple machines <laughs> than I do watching puppet things. Um,
1: yeah. A crossover of kind of crossover of worlds again, isn't it? Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's mechanics, mechatronics, and okay. you know, there's chemical engineering, you know, those kind of uh separate things that you wouldn't necessarily associate with mm-hmm. cloth and fur and hot glue. And yeah, I mean, that's
3: that's just the skin, isn't it? Underneath, that's where all the, the work happens. Exactly, I suppose, yeah. Because if, if
1: people are only seeing that and mm-hmm. an arm, then <laughs> you forget that there's the whole inner mechanism that does mm-hmm. all of the, you know, the stuff.
3: And a lot of it is a lot like a lot easier than it than it looks. They just they're good bang for the buck effects, really. You know, like um, I'm trying to think of a good one, Elmo. If you look at Elmo, if you watch Elmo, he will sometimes Mm. appear to look up in different directions and change his eye focus, which is a really hard thing to do with a puppet. Um, The way that they do that with Elmo is that the foam under the eyes is slightly thinner than than the rest of the foam, so it's got more flex to it. So when the puppeteer moves their hand in a certain way, the the eyes shift slightly or shift the other way. So it looks like quite a complicated mechanism. And then when you look into it, it's just about really good performance and slightly
1: shaving down the phone. <laughs> of course, as far as Alma is concerned, he's just looking up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> See, because that, 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 I want to know now how that how that came about. Was that a happy accident? Mm-hmm. Or was it somebody going... Yeah, it'd be really great if we can make the you know, director going. Yeah, can we get the eyes to go sort of different
3: directions? I think sort of um, somebody going.
0: Yeah, not sure. And then just trying a hundred different mm-hmm. methods to to get it to work. Or the, think, or the puppeteer going. Oi, Joe, if you made that bit a bit
3: thicker or thinner, I reckon we could get that to shift around. Well, I think a lot of it's like um, like standing on the shoulders of other people. So. You know, like, uh, Kermit the Frog is a great example of of all puppets, really, because he's essentially a sock puppet. He's not a complicated puppet at all. Um, There is nothing to Kermit the Frog. There's not really... I mean, the modern Kermit the Frog that you see now is a lot more complicated, but the kind of original one, probably up until Jim Henson's death, was basically a sock puppet with ping-pong balls on, and gasket rubber for the mouth and mm-hmm. there's so much range of performance from that you know being able to bend the mouth and twist it and um so i think it comes from i can't remember the puppeteer for elmo who really made him famous but it will come to me at some point uh you know like actually growing up watching jim do that and then looking at how that how that performance was achieved, and then putting your hand in a more modern foam-built puppet and thinking, "Oh, this is clunky comparatively to that sock puppet," and what I want is to be able yeah. to flex the eyes or med- bend the lips. And how am I going to do that and keep its shape? Well, I'll just, you know, I'll thin that down. I'll sand that down a bit. Um, that it's. Uh, I think that's one of the other things I really like about the building and making of puppets is that. Nothing about it is fancy. Nothing about it is, um, you know, like, I mean, sometimes it can be complicated and it can be tricky and materials can be expensive and all that kind of stuff. But actually, um, it's just problem solving with what have you got available. <laughs> you know, quite a lot of puppets are carved from foam footballs or are. You know, their, their inner support is a coffee can or, a, you know, a Pringles tube or something. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like somebody's just been sat at a workbench being like, right, I need to make beaker. Where am I going to make beaker from? Oh, right, okay, I've got this cardboard tube from the inside of a carpet. I'm going to cut a mouth in that, I'm gonna spray glue some pink stuff on it, and I've got beaker from the Muppets, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's good fun. What's I would recommend
1: uh, the sort of Props in general, isn't it? You know, kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, whatever you've got to hand, because it's got to be done quickly and mm-hmm. you know mm. simple stuff rather than custom stuff. And,
3: and yeah. I always like um, oh, I can't even remember what film it is now. Talking to you guys just makes my head go blank. But uh, <laughs> there's the the Star Wars with the ice cream machine, right? You know what I mean. You heard about this? The guy in the background is carrying a home ice cream machine because it looks vaguely yeah. sci-fi. It's like yeah. white yeah. and olvers. Like
1: um, is, is it like the, the canisters that they?
3: Yeah, they're in, in Cloud use. City. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, but it's just a standard off-the-shelf ice cream machine that you could buy <laughs> when the film came out. It wasn't even like pre-release or anything. Um, I just love. Someone saw that in a shop somewhere and gone. that's vaguely sci-fi, canister-y. <laughs> We'll cut the flex off, give that some guy to carry in the background. Um <laughs> you
0: know. I like watching the um I've come across the channel called The Smuggler's Room.
3: Yeah, that's
0: uh it's uh it's a Star Wars geek. Yeah. Uh Brian I can't remember his surname now, Brian something or like I think it's Brian, might be something else, but uh and he's yeah, he's he's basically kitting out as a few of these sort of Star Wars guys do he's kissing out i think it's his base to be kind of a yeah, completely star wars themed mm. so he's yeah, making a couch and it's just like you know one of the couches you're trying in the cantina or in the, the millennium falcon and this table the walls are covered in kind of your yeah, little greebies and you know mold stuff and yeah it's fascinating watching the thought process that goes through he's got just boxes and boxes of things that are Remotely mm. sci-fi looking. It's like, oh yeah, we could take that apart. And If we add that to this, now yeah, that looks like a bit like a dial. And if we had a bit of a backlight to that, yeah, it's going to really just bring it out. And it's just, it's fascinating to watch. I mean, when you hear kind of you hear discussions like with Adam Savage talking about his days at ILM, and yeah, how, or maybe examining a prop and going, yeah, yeah, that that bit there, that that just came from a an Airfix kit. Mm. And this bit, the, the classic of course is the Luke's lightsaber being a graphics uh, flash gun handle. And you know, you can't buy a graphics flash gun handle for love nor money because everyone wants them for <laughs> lightsabers. Yeah,
3: rightly so. Rightly so. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah no. And I, I think that's the thing that I just like is that kind of simple, not, no, it's not simple, it's a complex process to find a simple solution to things like that actually mm-hmm. it's not as easy as i think people you know because what they could have done back in you know uh when they were releasing return of the jedi or something is um sorry new hope god anyway is
0: uh or just
3: star wars when <laughs> star it's wars <laughs> You know, they could have sat the machinists down with a drawing and said, right, I want you to m- mill me out some aluminum. I want this you know, spherical thing with buttons and all sorts of dials and cogs and wheels on it. Um, and it's going to cost you X amount of dollars, and it's going to take this much time. and But it's going to be great. Or you know, we could find a flash handle, and it serves the purpose and conveys the message of the story. And then you can go out and buy one yourself. You can find one in a charity shop or, down don't know,
1: book but, fair. That's a, it's a very good point though, isn't it? Because it, that, that's the kind of the, I suppose you just said before, Andy, with the with the, um, the effects taken away from things. You know, we're a, a, probably part of like a, quite a niche demographic of the people who will watch something like one of those shows and look at the props and look at the, mm. how did they make that? Or what's, what's this gone into this? and Rather than just sitting and enjoying the story as it's being told to us, you know, the story is kind of secondary to all of the fun stuff that we go, Oh, look at that, you know, wonder how they did that, or, I wonder how this is made, or wonder what that used to be, or. And I think yeah, it's, so, sorry.
3: So I think it's no. generational as well, a little bit, you know, because we're of a certain age or approaching a certain age. Uh, you know, like my sister in law is in her early 20s and um, she does uh, computer design and graphics and, um, I can't remember what it's called, but animation and stuff. And she'll watch something that is, you know, like, um, a visual effect that's done on, I don't know. I can't think of any programs right now, but that's what she'll be thinking. I wonder how they did that. I wonder what program Mm -hmm. they used to do that. How did they achieve that? Um, So it's the same thought process that I have, but I just don't know anything about computers. (laughs) You
0: know, but but you're looking at Kermit, you're looking at you're trying Mm. to kind of go. I I think, I think, I I think, Jimmy, I think you might be right there. I think, I think it's it's an element of we are that certain type of people who are looking for that. uh, Does that spoil things for us?
1: I, I know it definitely spoils things for me on occasion. You know, there's um, a couple of, like, sort of tech-based shows, um, you know, that uh, when you've got a certain level of knowledge on something and then they they kind of, they show something, it kind of, it breaks that, you know, suspension of disbelief. I remember, I said before, I think with the the show Scorpion, and it's... Fantastical kind of tech show about you know this uh, group of absolute geniuses solving problems. It's kind of vaguely, loosely based on this particular guy who actually exists and kind of some of the stuff that he's got up to and things. But then, like, the, the not to spoil the the pilot episode for anyone who decides to go and watch it, but there's there's a point where the the, the there's a um like a seven four seven that's um just happens to be the the only plane that hasn't had this update that's grounded all the air traffic controls and knackered all the other planes it's just this one aircraft that's still in the air that's isolated from the automatic update from ATC and you know they they decide the only way to to save they can't get the original software to reverse the update and you know lots of uh, the fear and everything so a really 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 fast car and the guy's got a laptop and there's a person driving and he flips the lid off in the car and as the plane comes in super low they've got you know one of the uh, the, the cabin crews has got a really long ethernet cable and sort of hanging off the <laughs> off the landing gear hanging the ethernet cable down as they're driving down the runway in this like Ferrari with you know he's got the laptop then he grabs the end of these cable plugs it in grabs the code you know he's, he's like pulls the the file straight off the, off the thing and you know saves the day it's like the whole sequence took about five minutes of driving down this runway while this plane is is you know grabbable from a car <laughs> at about 170 miles an hour down a runway you know it's like it's cool that's not how that stuff works yeah <laughs>
3: have you yeah. heard of bluetooth that's what i'd be thinking have you heard <laughs> this is like you know, it's like this is the only
1: interface we could still use and it, you know it's was, it was, it was kind of the, the, there was a story there that kind of uh that meant that that was the only option they had you know, but it was even still it was that kind of even if that was the only thing you had that still wouldn't work yeah <laughs> you know and as soon as it was going to land it was going to get the update and it was gonna wipe everything out and destroy the whole airline industry and, you know, I
3: don't get that so much with puppets and things because I still, you know, I I will sometimes watch something and I think, how do they do that? But most of the time I'm able to sort of park that, at least for a first viewing of something. I'll watch something and just really enjoy it, and then I'll go back and take it apart. Um, But with my day job, whenever I see that on TV and people just get it massively wrong, I'm just like, you can't do that. That's illegal. No one would do that yeah. in a million years. Um then I'm just out. Just like, no, I can't watch that because yeah. you yeah, know, it does not take a long time to Google what a social worker does and then put that in the script, right? Just like just follow what we actually have to do legitimately. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as good as yeah, a story.
2: Absolutely...
0: Yeah, but well, this is it, isn't it? it's fine that my, my dad and I used to watch casualty
2: mm.
0: yeah kind of the first few series of that but my, my dad'd been a medic his entire career pretty much and he'd worked in hospitals and, and medical corps and stuff like that and just like hey just kind of go yeah nope that don't work nope that 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 they're dead yep you no. I, uh, I I I I Sometimes funny interesting. sometimes I can switch it, switch off my kind of knowledge of certain things Yeah, you know, whether it's kind of your stuff in the outdoors because they're lots outdoor mm. kind of sport, whether it's medical stuff that I happen to know about, whether it's making electronics, physics, science, teaching, whatever and you kind of go yeah sometimes I can switch it off and go and just enjoy the story. Yeah, and oh, look, yeah, oh, yeah, right, yeah, watching MC Marvel's Cinematic Universe. And oh, yeah, so you've mm. got this thing the size of an aircraft carrier, and it's just, yeah, it's got a, a few large fans and it's just staying in the air. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's just, just, just not going to work. But I can kind of do you
1: know, If that's the only the physics problem, you've got through, with the MCU.
0: It's not the only physics problem in well. the MCU, But it's, yeah, I can turn off that kind of, yeah. You know, Maybe I could use that as a, sort of some problem to you know, give to some students at some point. But mm-hmm. yeah, I can turn it off and just enjoy the show. The other times, I kind of watch stuff. I don't know if it's just when something's just particularly bad. I there's can't no think of an example. Of that, but there's been a few things where I've kind of just gone, "No, nah, I'm not watching the rest of this," and just kind of you walk away from it because it's just like this is so bad. It's mm-hmm. not even suspending disbelief it's not bending the rules of things it's just rubbish
3: i think i'm okay with it it can be as wild as they like but be consistent like i can't watch ant-man i can't watch any of the ant-man films because they're like oh he shrinks down in size but he retains his mass and then he'll run along a piece of spaghetti i'm like well he still weighs (laughs) however much he weighed before you can't have it both ways. You can't have him punch with the force of an adult man, and then balance on a popsicle stick. That is against the, your own rules. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that I'm out then. As soon as it breaks their own rules, I'm done. I can't
1: be. No. Time I did say it. a thing with that, with with uh, you know the kind of head idea of um, of of how to kind of retcon uh, Ant Man to make it uh, less annoying from that point of view, and um, the kind of the, the head canon was that uh, Hank Pym was incredibly suspicious of the Starks, because um, he was convinced that Howard was just going to try and figure out um, how the pin particle worked. So he just lied, flat out lied, <laughs> and that kind of makes you go, okay, yeah, that, that kind of works. So like all of the claims that they make about, you know, kind of being, you know, if, if, if you can retain the mass when he's that small as Ant-Man, but then can be Giant-Man and not just you know collapse under his own weight you know, away. It's, yeah exactly you know it's um the, we just don't know what it does you know <laughs> that's the kind of that just about makes you go okay yeah i can i can believe that
3: <laughs> yeah i'm happy with that okay nice. yeah. <laughs> Got a lot of catching up to do on the Ant Man franchise now. I can just go right, it's all bullshit. That's fine. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like, we're not supposed to know how it works because Ham- Hank Pym doesn't trust us.
3: <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not trustworthy. I would tell everyone, I can't be trusted. <laughs> no,
1: okay. I mean, if, if I knew the secrets to it, I would tell Tony Stark as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> Anything for an in, right? You never
1: know. That's too
2: right, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh yeah i, I just I, yeah so sometimes i can just suspend my disbelief sometimes i can't i that's I, probably it's probably me problem as much as anything um although again i think it's down to storytelling it's always down to storytelling yeah if if you're telling the story well then yeah you can suspend and Then sometimes it's just yeah absolutely like um, yeah. silent witness on bbc I, I yeah the whole idea of oh look, yeah, we've got these forensic scientists who not only go out and collect the yeah all the kind of evidence so they're they're socos scenes of crime officers um csis but then they get then they go and they're, they're also going to be the detectives and then they go and interview people and yeah as well as mm-hmm. sort of cutting up the bodies it's just like it, the, the, forensic science doesn't work like that yeah, you get one group, one group of people collect the evidence and they hand it over to some other people who you know, analyze the stuff and they're very set in kind of, yeah, they only do this particular type of evidence, maybe a few things, but yeah, you know, they only do certain things and something else will be done by somebody else. And then mm-hmm. all that information gets collected together by you know, another person who it over to the detectives and they go, oh, yeah, well, let's see what we've got. It's, it's the same with the IT industry, you know,
1: all IT people in all media are, you know, hardware engineers and software engineers and uh, network technicians and system administrators and um, sec ops and you know all of these kind of uh, very niche careers in their own rights. Mm-hmm. But you know, everyone can do all of it.
3: Yeah. Funny enough, I work with someone now, and their hobby is um, they like code. Little video games and stuff. And people will always go to him and say, Oh my, you know, my mouse isn't working. And he's like, I haven't got a clue why your mouse isn't working. <laughs> yeah. I didn't code the mouse. Like, it's, not... <laughs> it's not oh, but you make video games. Yeah, I know I do, but that's got nothing to do with why your mouse won't work. Like it's not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have oh, any transferable a... skills. <laughs> oh,
1: am sure you do. I'm sure you do.
0: But, I mean that's that's a that's a classic though, isn't it? That is an absolute
1: classic. Like the Royal you yeah, made the uh, the advert about it, didn't they? You know, if you can fix a pipe, then you can yeah you know, do the do the rest.
0: Yeah, saw so, that uh, Harrier or a, a steam yeah. turbines on a aircraft carrier. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly the same.
3: I think. Well, I mean there is play devil's advocate for the military which i very rarely do um, <laughs> but there is a way you know there is a linear progression to to some things you know like you don't
1: yeah
3: you don't start off working on a harrier jump jet you have to build up to it from somewhere yeah, definitely, know, yeah. and that maybe is a skateboard or a bike or your volkswagen or something but it's not quite as uh it's not quite as straight as that in real life. I don't imagine it just goes skateboard, bicycle, Volkswagen golf, harrier jump jet. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, last week you did the bike. <laughs> yeah. This week <laughs> we're gonna break your car and you can fix it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> imagine them just getting their badges, you know, like I know it's not like scouts, but in my head, uh-huh. all the military is like scouts. You've got your skateboard badge, head you've got, your, yeah. Yeah, got your BMX badge, and now you've got your Harrier Jump Jet badge. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> no.
0: I think you're not far wrong, to be honest.
2: <laughs>
3: okay. I never yeah, really my, my knowledge
0: of my knowledge of kind of yeah the military and I people yeah it's like yeah, you do this course and then you do that course and then oh yeah basically you get the badge you, you don't wear it on your sleeve like you do in the C- certificate <laughs> yeah. yeah and if you're lucky a bit of extra pay mm-hmm. but yeah it, it's uh, I, you're right though you, you I mean you, you're absolutely right and I think I think that can. I think that can apply across many kind of industries. If you think about the it, make- if you think about, you know, people in mechanics, yeah, you know, they often have started out fixing their bike or helping their dad with a car and then going, yeah, know, yeah, I think there will always be that element of young people, you know, they'll, they'll do something, whether that's something they pick up from school or whether it's something they pick up from home, a hobby, and then kind of go, okay, yeah, I, I, I enjoy doing this thing and there's an opportunity to maybe do this professionally in some way so yeah i've used to teach a, teach a lad who was into um oh uh, what's it called that like motocross sort of grass-based sort of rally driving mm-hmm. and just just ran, going around rally the cross. field on, on grass yeah um and yeah that's that's what they yeah every other weekend yeah he was away with his dad and uncle i think it was and Yeah, they'd be fixing the car yeah it was nothing it wasn't kind of a proper world rally type stuff it was you know just ran a grass track and some some farmer's field somewhere going around in circles yeah going through mud and grass and whatever and yeah enjoyed fixing cars and and yeah ended up going in kind of a yeah he went to university but it it was engineering of some sort because he wanted to kind of he had that interest that hobby it was a family sort of thing that they did together any sort of opportunity to then take that into a career. Um, I think there's a lot of that. I think there's a lot of that. And I think, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. I don't think it's always necessarily coming through schools. Mm. And I think, and that's why I think, you know, when you see things like Maker Central and you get your know, kids having a go at stuff and seeing the opportunities and having a go at making things, um, I mean, yeah. But what if, yeah? If, could you imagine yourself, yeah, you know, twenty years ago, going to someone like Maker Central, having a go at making a puppet, mm-hmm. and then kind of going, "Yeah, I really like it. This is really cool. Yeah, yeah this is."
3: No, and I think genuinely that would have been a transformational experience for me as a kid because, like, if we speak to my mum and dad and stuff, they'll say what a nightmare I was to parent as a child because <laughs> um,
1: I was it's like a, little a little bit of that.
3: Yeah, I was like a like a tweaking meth addict like i would take everything apart you know like tv remote we got we got a computer like a you know a big pc took the keyboard apart took the mouse apart i wanted to know how it worked i wanted to go inside and see um tried to smelt lead in my bedroom when i was about nine because i heard you could do it in a bean <laughs> can set the carpet on fire you know a whole thing so yeah obviously as you do and um you know, they're just, I think my folks are lovely people and they were great parents. I'm not a criticism of them. I just don't think they knew how to channel that into anything. Whereas if I think I'd been... There's
0: no to... manual. No, no, There's no, exactly. no parenting manual. Haynes did one.
3: <laughs> I've got the dad one. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, but That's actually, really if they'd been a Maker Central or something like that, or even YouTube, and they could have just pointed me at that and gone... There's loads of other people actually that like to take stuff apart and see how it works, and that probably would have, you know, been a very different. Because then I would have been taking stuff apart, and then I'd how to put it back together, and they wouldn't be quite so cross when. <laughs> <laughs> you, when
2: yeah, were yeah, you still I making a, them I did a
1: more clock. <laughs> 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 I can't imagine all the parts went back in. No.
3: no. Yeah. No. And I once. Uh, I can't remember what it was i took apart something something electronic and it had like a, a you know like a 90s uh circuit board in there and there was a big resistor on it you know those big blue ones like a barrel shaped resistor and i thought to myself being like nine or ten there must be something inside that it's got to be have a, other moving parts in it so i cut it in mm-hmm. half with a bread knife to see what was inside <laughs> and obviously there's nothing inside just whatever that material is that resists. Uh, And obviously, whatever i would taken apart was never going to work again unless you swapped that part out. But I just put it back together and never told anyone until they listen to this podcast and find out that that's why. (laughs) Whatever it was, stopped working. So, yeah, sorry.
0: Push it back together, a spot of glue.
3: I didn't even glue it, I don't think. I just re-snapped the plastic and was like, I don't know what you're talking about somebody else's problem. just I think, you know, definitely in terms of like I work with a lot of children who, do, who don't fit the the traditional education model, so to speak. You know, they mm. they're not the kids who are gonna go to university necessarily or who are gonna do academic courses. Um, and there's almost like a, a resistance I come across with teachers about encouraging children or young people to do things with their hands or to do things that are in some way you know like creative. Um, you know, I remember working with a young lad who, you know, and I can understand why people were worried, but he was fascinated with swords and knives and things. Uh, and yeah, I said, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, it can be worrying, right? But actually, he wasn't fascinated in it. He wasn't wandering the street carrying a knife, and he wasn't fascinated in a, you know, he also loved serial killers. He just, like, loved samurai films and loved, you know, and mm. just stuff like that. And I said, well, why don't you, you've got to, you know, he was receiving extra funding for extracurricular educational activities. And I said, you know, there's loads of blacksmiths and swordsmiths and people who make armor and all sorts of other stuff that you could, you, could, you know, pay them, I'm sure, to you know, show this kid how to forge a little blacksmith's knife, and that would, no way. No way, Jose. What if? What if he crushes his fingers? What if he stabs somebody with it, and we've taken him off to make it? Um uh, Well, I see it's about just exposing children to, you know, the curriculum's great, and it does its job for 96% of children, or whatever it is, but actually for that 4% who don't fit the curriculum, mm. you know, they are either going to end up in work that is non-rewarding for them, or they're going to end up doing something weird. And there's nothing wrong with doing something weird, actually, if it makes you feel happy or whatever, or it's rewarding.
0: It's the if type of weird, though, isn't it? It's, it's the weird that ends up with other people getting hurt. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. No, physically, I didn't
0: mean mentally, that. Or the, 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 the artists of the world.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, actually, there's so many, um, you know, when I was at school, which was a while ago, but not that long ago, really, that no one said to me, oh, you know, for a job, you could make puppets or that was not, mm. no one ever floated that idea to me. Um, why would they? And although you could do anything like that growing, you know, like a comprehensive school in Birmingham, like that was not an option. You could be a teacher, yeah. you could be a police officer, <laughs> It could could be a the garage. Yeah, could yeah, it. Exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and actually, you know, if you want to do one of those things, that's great. There's nothing wrong with doing that. It's just about, I think we need to expose young people to more esoteric, weird stuff, and then
2: mm-hmm.
3: they'll find what they like and they'll reject what they don't. Kids are really good at that. Actually, kids are really good at being like, "That's yeah. crap, and I don't want to do it." <laughs> yeah. The problem is, some of them do that with mainstream education, and that. Causes them problems, they go, That's crap, I don't want to do it. And they're like, Well, (laughs) you kind
0: of have to. And I'm I'm gonna not have an education rant, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, I think there's an element of we in the education system that isn't enough knowledge. There there are careers, people, yeah, there are people who have. Yeah, some schools have their own careers office and yeah they may have other roles as well but you yeah, know somebody specifically talking about careers and opportunities yeah and brings people in to talk some schools don't
2: uh-huh.
0: and but i think there's there's often a lack of scope of the possibilities
2: uh-huh. of
0: what can be done you know with a particular subject And i think it's very easy to get caught in a trap uh-huh. um of, I, I've, I've I've talked before about how yeah you know, I, I was, I wanted to do art, and I'd have probably been better off doing technology for for the as a subject, uh, as it was known then. Probably just before it was design technology. But I got sort of told because oh, anyway I was really interested in physics, and I think I'd have probably been better off doing an engineering degree from kind of from my personal satisfaction. Um. Possibly even material science, but certainly you know, possibly engineering degree, really, something a bit ha- more hands on. Because uh, certainly for me, I, I was an experimental physicist. I, I I liked doing experimental things more than theoretical things. But I was I was told to, to yeah oh physics your physics is your bag that, that you have to do German. It was when languages were optional. but I was useless at German. Yeah, and, and I was badly taught as well for in kind of my O level years. I was just like. No, it was it was just I I don't know what it was the physics teacher that basically told me that I had when I was kind of in year nine, it was third years. What's that? Oh yeah, you have to do German. Yeah, I'm filling out my option forms. It's like I don't really like German. Uh, but oh we love it. yeah, but yeah. got a German,
3: German. physicist,
0: Einstein. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Somebody else can do the translating though, surely. That's that's well, fun enough.
0: A guess how much German I needed. During my physics degree.
3: I'm going to guess non-Andy. Non- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big fat zero. It's all maths yeah. anyway, isn't it? And that's a universal language, right? So it's
0: like well. Greek. Yeah. <laughs> Greek. <laughs> yeah, Greek would have probably been more useful, actually, just to kind of you know, get over the, the extra letters.
1: I, yeah, it's, so it, it's not. Once you've learned the alphabet, that's it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but it
0: was. it was... I don't think it's necessarily improved. I've, I've always made a point when I was teaching to kind of sort of say to kids that, yeah, there are lots of different jobs mm. and there are lots of different routes to jobs. And you don't necessarily have to go to university. And, you know, you can go to university and do something. And then in five years after that, you can do something else. Yeah, these mm. things are possible. Yeah. You're not going to be doing, not 99% of people nowadays. Do not start a job at 18 and continue that or 21 at university and stay in that job until they retire. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are some, and yeah, you know, because of the huge numbers we're talking about, there will be many. But if you look at it in terms of percentages, most people, oh, yeah, I, I worked in industry, I worked in education, I kind of I do a bit of tutoring now, and it's it's a, but it's a, a different version of kind of education. Yeah. Uh-huh. Plenty to other people, change jobs, change careers. We need to we need to let young people know that actually you know, there are some very interesting jobs out there. Mm. Never mind the jobs that we don't know about. Yeah, yeah, they, they haven't we, started
3: yet. And I think my dad used to say to me. So he he used to go to a lot of industrial premises for his work, and he would come back home, and he always used to say to me everything you see has been made by somebody Um, and he was talking about, you know, like there's a whole company out there that just make rivets. Somebody out there makes millions Mm. of rivets every day, Um, pop rivets sort of. But actually I've taken that viewpoint now when it comes to things like films or art or technology, you know, everything I see, somebody made that. So it's possible for me to make that or it's Mm. possible. For somebody else to make that, um, whether it's a photograph, you know, I'm looking through a magazine and I think, well, somebody must have taken that, unless it's a really great, you know, CG drawing or whatever. But actually,
1: check the number of fingers. So yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. <AI-driven. laughs>
3: but somebody made it. Somebody took it. So I just try mm-hmm. and apply that to everything and say that to my kids. You know, like, well, actually, if you're really interested in those things, somebody does that. That is somebody's job. Mm. I don't know who that person is or how they get that job but that is somebody's job to go and fight dinosaurs or to design spaceships or whatever it is that you want to do
1: I think the big struggle with you know kind of getting that across to kids is to kind of also explain that to do those things you do still need to do other stuff with it you know you can't just be but, you know if if you if you want to do this one very niche little thing you can't just scrap everything else from your education that you find boring and mm-hmm. just do that you know like yes you can make a living from playing video games but you still need to then do things like work out your finances and right. you know um survive in life rather than just the video games you know it's right. like it, it's trying to get across that Yes, some of this stuff might be pouring to you now. Mm -hmm. You still need it, even if you are going to aim for, Mm -hmm. you know, insert weird career here. Yeah. That kind of thing.
3: (laughs) I always, um, when I'm talking to young people about this reference, uh, Dr. Dre, the rapper Dr. Dre, or 50 Cent. 50 Cent makes more money today from his investments than he does from his music portfolio. And I'm like, that's what you... You know, when you get a load of money if you're going to be a rapper or a footballer do you want to be the mm. footballer who you know plays professional football till they're 30 something and then retires
1: and no then knees.
3: Yeah, no knees and no, no options really for future employment and they've wasted all their money and they you know like actually or do you want to be the footballer who has invested that wisely and understands how those things work and Understands how you calculate compound interest and whether that's a good loan to have or a bad loan to have. Those things are useful. Your accountant
0: is ripping you off. Yes.
3: The response I get most often is, "I'll pay somebody Um, to do that."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which that in and of itself is a good answer. Yes, it is. Because knowing when it is a good idea to get someone else to do it (laughs) is also a skill in itself. (laughs)
3: But you need to know if they're trustworthy, I think that's the thing. Yeah, Like Andy says, make sure that you can do the sums well enough to know, actually, I should be getting more money back than that,
1: or less money back than that. I think Shaq's the same, isn't he? He's, you know, the amount of stuff that he's invested in and and that kind of stuff, you know, he's the same. He's just become a a businessman now. Mm
3: -hmm. There's a really funny video about him... Uh, being offered to invest in Starbucks, I don't know if you've seen that going around, it's his biggest regret is that somebody said to him, I'm going to build loads of Starbucks in black neighborhoods and I want you to get involved and be part of it Mm -hmm. and give me some money. And he said like growing up where he grew up, he never saw a person drinking a cup of coffee, walking around. He was like, no way I'm not doing that. That's a waste of money. You're going to buy all these premises and nobody's going to drink this coffee. And then now look at Starbucks, (laughs) like every country in the world, every street in the world, a million Starbucks. Anyway.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah that would be a
0: yeah that would be bummer wouldn't it it's just that like kind of oh yeah I could have been a billionaire by now instead mm-hmm. <laughs> of just a multi-millionaire mm-hmm.
3: he's got a hard life I imagine Shaquille though I, I think <laughs> I mean I'm sure he has everyone's got their own stresses haven't they but Absolutely. I don't think money is, well, I
0: what mean, it is. I mean, he's got a duck through every door he goes through pretty much hasn't he that's true
1: or build everything taller yeah
0: custom-made bed yeah. custom-made duvet
3: <laughs> and there's like his feet sticking out the bottom thick socks i mean that's why i like being short right i know like i'm not, I'm not short short but i'm like five eight five nine so i'm not tall hmm. but totally only, only slightly if you if you hadn't crushed all your vertebrae and knees climbing up and down rock faces, be, yeah. Well, this is it. I'm,
0: I'm I'm shrinking. Yeah.
3: Um. But like you know, an economy seat's not great on a plane, but it's all right. It's livable for me, and like actually, I got plenty of room in my shower and bed and all.
1: Yeah, there there is the kind of cause I'm the gorilla thing, you know. So there is that kind of uh. So proportionally, in all the kind of different dimensions, is is awkward. You know, sat on the train earlier on the way back from London, and just realising that I'm broader than the chair is. So you know, it's, it, you get the bumps in the shoulder as people are walking past, or you know, someone's got their bag on the on the middle seat, and you sit down and the elbow goes straight into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything needs some sort of accommodation, you know, to uh, to kind of fit in.
3: So imagine what Shaquille O'Neal's life is like, living hell, probably.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
3: Seven for the grace of God, go <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: but do you, ever, do you ever stand on a chair and think, this is what it's like to be six foot seven?
3: Well, I'm not interested, really. A lot of puppeteers, a lot of puppet stuff, actually, funnily enough. Uh, and why it costs so much money to put on a puppet thing is, uh, one, you've got to make everything. And two, you have to shoot everything in a really weird way. So... The puppeteers are yeah. stood up, so they're stood mm-hmm. up and they've got their arm up in the air doing the puppeteering. So, you know, like Jim Henson was a tall guy. So a lot of, st- but Frank Oz is not so tall. So he's mostly, if you see all photos, Jim Henson's all like cr- crunched down underneath the stage with his arm. Frank Oz is just sat there you know, having the time of his life. So uh, it's probably beneficial for me to not be super tall. Um mm. but like if you think about if you were gonna film that, if you're gonna film Sesame Street or you know, the Dark Crystal or any of those things, you have to get all the cameras and all the sound equipment and all the directors and everybody six foot in the air. That's <laughs> close,
2: yeah.
3: And that's expensive, whether you dig down or whether you lift everybody up. That's an expensive thing to do. Mm. Especially if you've got like a big panoramic like in the new Dark Crystal where they're like are moving along. You know, you're seeing a really long set, but then below that is a ten foot under set that you don't see. That's got everyone walking along with <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it. Mean, like
0: yeah, I mean, some of the stuff. I mean, some stuff you used to watch as a kid, you know, yeah you know, knew some of it was puppets, you know, but it was like uh, oh, Thunderbirds and magpie like with and, and Stingray well, again, and... I was thinking more like you know, uh, uh, the thing with Bungle and and Oh, Rainbow, the program, Rainbow. yeah, and they were kind of yeah, they'd, so they'd have a hu- they'd have humans involved.
2: That's something to Sweep,
0: so it's, <laughs> yeah. Just now, I'm thinking, you know, was that sofa that they were on kind of yeah, you know, six feet in the air, so the puppeteer could be standing up, or was the puppeteer the, the sofa just at normal height and the puppeteer lying down with one arm <laughs> up in the air, trying to...
3: What they will sometimes do for. um for stuff like that nowadays where they have to bring a puppet into the real world is um, those mechanics trolleys that you lie down on, you know, the oh, ones yeah, on, on yeah. wheels. So yeah. the is lying down on the mechanics trolley doing the puppeteering and then to move the puppet around a second person sometimes is pulling and pushing them or they'll have their feet over the end like, what's um, that, like, there's a kind of football where you play like that, kind of crab football Crab <laughs> football, yeah Yeah. So they sort of crab footballing around doing their performance. <laughs> It is is amazing to think about, you know, like, learning Logistics all your lines. Sometimes. Yeah. Doing a mm. stellar performance, conveying emotion through a sock while lying on your back and being wheeled around.
1: Uh, I suppose else. that's why, you know, Sooty's obviously got an easy job, and same with Sweep as well. Mm. The lines are much easier to learn.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but harder in some ways, because it, it got to make you, you know, you wouldn't care about Sooty and Sweep if you just thought that's a that's a glove you know Um, the reason that you it it is a program that people watch is because you think that's a bear that's Mm. a panda that's a dog so to convey that through through just your fingers and a squeaker that's a hard yeah that's a hard bit of performing to do i think and
0: Um, not being able to see the cues of the mm -hmm. the human actors that you're working with Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they do that a lot with a video relay and i think um like, if I had the time and the money and the technical know-how, I would love a Big Bird suit. I'd love to yeah. make a Big Bird. And um that's got a video. There's no way of seeing out of Big Bird. You can't look out of Big Bird. Of course, yeah. He's got a monitor inside. You
1: so could do it with the, look, the VR goggles now.
3: You could do it with VR goggles now. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But so if you look at, like, old Sesame Street and stuff and you see him on a trampoline... Or roller skating, or and you're like, oh my god! So there's a man in Big Bird, one arm up in the air to do Big Bird's mouth, and one finger projected above that to do his eyelids, it's got blink mechanism, and then his hand in a glove that controls both hands on a cable that runs under his chin, with no. This is like the eighties, nineties. There's no in suit cooling. So it's roasting hot in there. The thing's got 10,000 turkey feathers on the outside. Imagine how thermally <laughs> insulating that is. It's got a huge oh, massive 12 volt lead acid battery because that's the kind of batteries oh, that they that had. had. A big back yeah. monitor in there. And he's roller skating around children and making it look effortless. Mm. And so actually, when you were saying before about like, does it pull you out of the storytelling? sometimes it just makes you appreciate it even more. You know, that 30 second clip of Big Bird roller skating for some people who just see Big Bird, it's like, okay, well, Big Bird's got roller skates bully for him. But for me, I'm like, oh my God, that is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, if I ever, I don't know, if I ever get nothing but time and money or a huge corporate sponsor or somebody out there who's listening today wants to pay me, I don't want to keep the Big Bird. I just want to make it. So someone wants (laughs) to uh, pay me to make a Big Bird,
0: (laughs) Several large bags of turkey feathers.
3: Yeah. You've got to dye them all custom yellow as well. You can't just buy any old yellow turkey feathers. You've got to get the right one. It's a whole thing. Hand sewn, each one hand sewn onto a suit. Incredible. Um, yeah. So anyway, I can't remember what we were talking about, but <laughs> Big Bird's the boss.
0: <laughs> yeah. It... I mean, it's just... When you put it like that, mm-hmm. it just it just brings a whole yeah I, it just changes almost perspective. I mean I I um yeah, I just, yeah understood for many many years that they're puppets and there's people in them and yeah there's a large manufacturer going into it. And then you think about yeah the technology that was there back in the sort of the eighties with, you know, they didn't have flat screen panels,
2: mm-hmm. they
0: didn't have, you know, lithium ion batteries, it's, and then you and kind of, then I'm kind of, sort of thinking, well, what could they do now, Where, where's the, where's the, I, I guess with each new advancement in technology, there's that question, or where's our new limit? that must be pushing yeah. the limit of the human actor plus the puppeteer plus the technology that existed at the time for making those costumes. Mm-hmm. Where's the new where's the new limit? What's the next thing? And I think because oh, go, no, go on go on.
3: Because I, I think that's a difficult line to walk isn't it because what you don't want is for it to become so like the the thing about big bird that it makes him so wonderfully lovable is that there's a human element to how he's performed, if that makes sense. And his mm. he ju- his beak just flaps and he's got a very slight blink mechanism. You know, like actually, he's not got that subtlety of movement that you could achieve now with modern animatronics and things. Um so it's about having that um, you know, not losing that human touch or that handmade touch of what makes Big Bird amazing, but at the same time, you know, making it, I guess, easier to deliver that performance with a flat screen panel and a lithium-ion battery and little fans and stuff. Or VR goggles. I'd never even thought about that. That would be a game-changer. I'm sure that that's a game-changer. They have a VR um, remote control puppet. Uh, So rather than just, if you're going to do a a puppet with like a flappy mouth, um, rather than just having like a joystick to control that, because you want the, the the ability to move fingers separately. They have like a VR gauntlet, you know, like a, like a Snes yeah. power yeah. glove <laughs> yeah. that they put on to perform those puppets that are too small to um, to have a hand inside. So that like the um, the doozers off of Fraggle Rock, they're performed by a VR, like a oh, nice love
1: thing so anyway sorry that's
3: yeah Just that's
1: interrupting pretty... to ramble <laughs> but it, I mean no, it's, it's, it's it's sort of a, a like, the, like the medical robots and things isn't it where they, they've got that kind of remote you can't... yeah we've got you know the, the person in another room or another country you know doing that kind of remote movement of it. But, yeah. It's not crossing the streams.
0: It's it's, fine. I mean, I guess that the important, not the important thing, the the wonderful thing is if you can work out where that next step is, Mm -hmm. get involved in taking that next step and kind of presenting those, those things to the people who are going to tell the stories
1: and taking it to that next level. Well, I suppose it's but like you said the... with all like with Grogu and things, you know, the, the kind of the, the level of technology and electronics and stuff involved in it, you know, to have things like programmed macros to say, oh, you know, you hit a button that says blink and it, it will actuate the selection of servos that does the blink rather than having to rely on being able to grab all the bits with the right fingers and things like that so mm-hmm. that kind of element to it
3: and i think it's about uh the the, the next thing that i kind of see actually is the two overlapping more you know like mm. actually with um, with grogu it's a great example because he's not he's a puppet i think something like 90 percent of the time but not all the time and sometimes he's a puppet and they'll add a reflection on his eye that they couldn't get in real life or, Mm. you know, and just kind of, then you get that wonderful hand animated quality that you get from stuff like puppetry and stop motion that you can't get any other way. But then also you get those amazing effects that you can't get in real life. Yeah. I I think the more that those things blend together, that's the kind of how I see it. And it'll be, I imagine, um, Just a furthering of that, you know, like when Jurassic Park came out, not to go back to that, but they couldn't animate the dinosaurs, did they? So they still had to get Phil Tippett to do the stop motion. And then I think there's been a divergence away from that. And like, actually, you know, we don't want to do that old fashioned stuff. Computers are the way to do it, we can do it all on a computer. And I think actually over time, people have realized that, no, you can't. You can't bring that level of performance just with a machine you need to have a human being involved somewhere and it's why i'm not you know people talking about oh you know ai gonna kill puppetry or is ai gonna whatever but i don't think so because it's you're still only gonna get out what you put in and you still need to have that genuine warm human Mm. performance element that you just can't get i don't think from anything but a person
1: yeah, I suppose it, it, there's a probably a, a a slight kind of uncanny valley kind of. Um, there's a nuance to a human performance that is slightly different to something that's programmed. I suppose,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the, the timing of two similar movements being slightly out, or that the, that nuance of, of a head tilt mm-hmm. in a way that you know is. It, Two different head tilts in a row—you know—it's that kind of thing that you you wouldn't necessarily program for every eventuality, kind of thing. So yeah, I can totally see where you'd need kind of augmented human element to it, you know, human-driven, but with you know the, the kind of the the flair and finesse of you know things that you couldn't get any other way.
3: And I think they still do that for um, even things that are 100% computer generated, don't they? They will take motion capture and stuff just even if they're never going to use that data in the final product, but just to see how a person moves in that situation or how a monkey moves or how whatever moves. Um, So I think there'll always be a role for the kind of things that interest me and those practical puppetry effects and It'll just maybe be a, a less front of house role. It'll just be more of a part of the development. Um, but I mean, also, I mean, we're at an hour forty-five or minutes. So I don't know if I want to crack open this can of worms. But uh, you know, the thing that really interests me at the minute is theatrical puppet making. You know, like, and if you've seen um, Spirited Away has been turned into a play in Japan, and the puppets are amazing. Like, they are mm. mind-blowingly wonderful and they're not um they're not high-tech they're not super fancy but they've just got wonderful character and warmth and they you know um their little soot sprites are basically made of a, a extended flexing off plugs (laughs) you know like you get the woven mesh one just pulled it apart yeah and stuck googly eyes on it essentially and it's just incredible and you you know that's a world where you can you know they do have holograms sometimes and you can have cg elements but it's it's going to be more heavily reliant on Mm. those real world characters that you can only bring to life in that setting through being a puppet really so
0: that's what I I, I. I sometimes think that there's. I, I actually sometimes find that it's sort of some things I've seen in sort of theatre or performance, where, actually, kind of more a more naive. Set or a more naive puppet is is it almost leads to better storytelling. Mm-hmm. um I can remember quite a few years ago we we. The, the, took our kids to see fairly close succession. Uh one was Swallows some Amazons. Uh so yeah, it was the book, but it was yeah, it was done in a little theatre. It's almost in the round. There were the actors also changed the sets and there were about there were about ten props. Yeah. Part of that yeah one of those was a half of a boat. Yeah, it didn't even have a whole boat. so it just there was just they would just move things around, and some of it would be done in light, some of it wouldn't. And the other one we saw was um, Shackleton's cat. And again, it was it was just a, a, a very small troop, a touring troop. Uh, that they, they probably had a transit van and a car. Yeah, there were so few of them. And again, very naive. There was there were no big flats on either of them uh it was down to just simple costume changes a few significant props like yeah part of a rowing boat and yeah you know, with the cat there was this, this this puppet cat and who it would appear every now and again and, and be involved in the kind of the, the storytelling and it was it was just wonderful it yeah the the, the one was done i saw the one in a the theater the other one was in a, a, a community hall and it was just such a yeah there were no fancy lights it was just but it was just delightful and the entire audience were just engrossed for that kind of two hours plus interval yeah, of performance Um, and yeah. I, I, it's the quality of the storytelling I think yeah, for me it always goes back to that
1: mm. my um one of my bosses does amdram stuff and uh, they put me onto a group called the handlebards who do like tours around the UK and they they just cycle between all the venues so it's whatever they can carry on their bikes and that is you know it's 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 all about the storytelling and quite often they're just pulling the bits of the bike apart to use as props okay. you know and things like that as kind of the, you know the, the uh it's whatever they've got there and you know, there's something yeah you know, there's times where they'll they'll grab something out of someone's hand in the audience to use as a prop so uh, you know an, an aid to tell them the story you know so it's, it's the the quality of the message then
3: i think like, Sorry. Say. Okay. you uh, Sort of the, I can't remember where it is, but I want to say Tibet, but the, um, the shadow puppetry theater, you know, where it, all you're getting is the silhouette of the characters and, you know, people will sit and watch that enthralled for hours at these, you know, shadows on a screen moving around.
0: It's that, it's probably, it's that human input, as you were saying with the puppets, you know, where you've got that human input, that ability to kind of, I think with good actors, there was a, I saw an interview with Jenny Ortega that played Wednesday, Wednesday Adams. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about the, the dance scene, that, that, that kind of very distinctive sort of dance scene, and about how she took different elements. Yeah. She, she wasn't, she controlled some of the input. It wasn't just like right, do this and do that. This is the way you dance. She'd been watching some of the original Adams family TV She'd watched the, obviously the, the Adams Family films. She would read some of the sort of comic stuff, and she sort of thought, "Well, how would how would they dance? You know, how how would this person dance? And where can we bring in different elements of it? And, and it was just fascinating. That there's against that it's that human input that a, a good quality actor thinking mm. about the art of acting, but not just the art of acting, the art of storytelling." to kind of bring in those little nuances that possibly a lot of people wouldn't notice. Yeah, I, I can imagine that probably only a, a relatively small fraction of the audience of Netflix's Wednesday are also very familiar with the the TV series filmed in the 1960s. And the, yeah, probably even smaller, familiar with the, the, the original sort of comic books. But then, when somebody has taken the time to kind of study those things and then to incorporate those little details, that just takes it from you, know, you could have done a much, much less involved performance, maybe and not necessarily uh, from a physical point of performance, but just less thoughtful performance, maybe. And maybe a lot of people wouldn't have actually felt any different about it, but then actually bringing in those little touches that's the kind of that the human element that makes the difference is the same as with when somebody's just telling ghost stories around a campfire yeah it's something that's been happening for probably hundreds of years and it's that input that knowing when to pause when to call quieter or when to then suddenly just burst out with something the, the art of performance the art of storytelling um, it's
1: much like comedy, what, isn't it? It's you know, the, the, the secret to good comedy. Timing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Talking of timing, should we, should we move on to attention grammars? We're approaching two hours.
1: And, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the, very uh, much running out of uh You're running wake out of steam. You've been, you've been,
0: yeah, you've been partying all weekend. Um, Lucas has got work in the morning. I've got to go out and make some breakfast and lunches in the morning. Um, so we're at that point where we talk about things that have been grabbing attention and whatever that might be, whether it's things we've been looking at, watching, reading, things we've been working on, things we're just ready to work on, uh, it doesn't really matter, multiple things. That's normal, guest goes first.
3: I see. Uh, so what's been grabbing my attention recently? Well, I'd like to do like a, uh, a, a makery shout out first, I suppose. Well, it's a couple, <laughs> um, there's an Instagram channel instagram channel instagram account it's called tuck shop like where you'd buy your sweets tuck underscore shop the lady is called lynn i can't remember her surname um but she makes loads of the props for cbbc and
2: oh
3: um, uh the way i would describe it for like people in our community i suppose is if you imagine that Caro had been given 10 minutes and a fiver to make stuff. <laughs> it's like that. Like She's just an amazing brain, but it's made of felt. And like actually, it's, it's very similar stuff, but like, there's obviously no money in the BBC for it, and obviously mm. she hasn't had much time, but it's still conveying the storytelling and everything. Um, and she just makes lovely, wonderful, charming things, so I think everyone should just go and follow her, and it's just a fun... She also makes... Um, pretend food that's like her thing that she does for fun i guess so mm-hmm. um you know like a really convincing looking fried egg sandwich that you just look at it and be like oh well that's a nice looking sandwich and then there'll be a little video of her carving it all out of styrofoam and putting gels on it to make yeah. it look really <laughs> delicious um so i think everyone should go and check check them out i don't know her we know we're not friends or anything but it's just a cool channel um so yeah i'd recommend that uh, what else has been grabbing my attention recently uh i'm working on an rc project my first one ever so yeah. i've been watching a lot of um stuff about that and then that's led me down a robot wars battle bots um <laughs> and now i'm thinking about i remember i can't remember what the guy what the the character was called, the bot was called, but in the old Robot Wars, there was one that was covered in fur and it used to set fire all the time.
1: Oh, yes, that was amazing. It was, it was like, like a lady bird.
3: La- ladybird one. Red and red, now, red, yeah, yeah. Now I want to make one, so that's uh, an attention grabber. Yes. Is I've been looking up how you build a, a Robot Wars battle bot and how do you cover it with fur? I'm not. I don't want to enter Robot Wars. I just.
1: I don't even necessarily
3: yeah. need it to move. I just want it to aesthetically have. <laughs> Well, you
0: gotta at least move around. Yeah, 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 yeah I think
3: so. I think, know yeah,
0: Survive a battle.
3: But yeah, no. It, it doesn't have to be like armored and have weapons.
1: I was going like to say, they, they'd never survive the battles anyway, so.
3: No. I just want it. I just want the look of the thing. Um, so, yeah. So that's what I've been working on. Um, that's about it for my attention grabbers, yeah. really. I'll have a thing.
0: All right. Jamie, you've already hinted. I think it's it, certainly one thing.
1: Yeah, I've been down to that there London to to have a bit of a, um, a bit of a, a nice weekend with some lovely, lovely people. So, so good friends and former guests of podcasting, and Ali and James and Duncan and Simon. We all kind of met up in central London and, and went and did some. Bits of fun stuff, including stuff like the science museum. We went to uh, Tim Hunkins, um, the place like, I can never remember the name of. Um, with all these wonderful uh, Novelty something, novelty, something? novelty automation. That's it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, absolutely wonderful. Um, and grew up and drinky poos in in, uh, in Brewdog last night as well, which was which was lovely. Some, whacking some pinball machines and lots and lots of walking around and things so it's, uh, it's a very exhausting but enriching weekend that's what i've been up to how about you andy that's good you've also been doing uh, some fun yeah
0: doing some fun things well it's been it's been half term this last week so there's been uh, yes. we've made a bit of a start on decluttering and, and trying to fix a few things that have been broken for a while so curtain rings that we had about seven or eight broken curtain rings in our bedroom so <laughs> we'll take that out uh so yeah so it's taken four or five years um but uh actually so it's part you of, decl- some sort of, thing of decluttering own, well no it's part of decluttering I found I found the spare ones I found the spare curtain rings <laughs> while I was decluttering so i like, well, found them now so it might as well make sense and uh go and fix it um but the big one is uh yeah yesterday I spent uh nearly all day uh, 9:30 till 7:20 p.m. 9:30 a.m. to 7:20 p.m. Uh, at a, a local guy's uh workshop. He's a he's a wood turner, amongst other things. Um, one's lessons because we. I think I've mentioned before we've we the men's shed I go to. have donated a lathe a pile of mm. tools. Not really anyone at the shed that's kind of really into turning big time. There's a few people who've done a bit. Oh. I kind of thought. Well, I'm, I've only done a carp, little bits, so I need kind of, I want some proper instruction from somebody who really knows what they're talking about. So that I don't kill myself uh, or anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made a, a, nice little bowl out of checker wood. Um, I didn't, I didn't do a hundred percent of it. Yeah. He show me a bit and then I sort of practice, uh, that and yeah, he'd be kind of going, nope, harder, up a bit, down a bit, right a bit. Um, it was know, sort of helped me get the, uh, get the direct technique. So took all day. We had yeah, quite a lot of chatting and he was a, uh, interesting guy and, uh, lots of things to talk about. So definitely going back. Well, i very booked to go back, uh, next Saturday with the tools from the, uh, men's shed. So he's gonna have mm-hmm. a look at those and sort. just from the photographs, you can see, oh, yeah, that one looks a bit dangerous. Um, and there were a few that was like, yeah, that, that's that's super advanced stuff. You don't want to be doing that. Tuck that away for a while. Mm. And yeah, he said he, he's going to give them a bit of a sharpen because he's got it all set up and he knows what he's doing, and it doesn't take very long. Nice. Whereas uh, it might take me a bit longer to get them all. All right. I mean, if, yeah, a, a skew chisel that's probably fairly straightforward to sharpen. But the uh, yeah, when you're talking about uh, gouges and trying to get the right curvature on the the end of a gouge that's uh, a bit beyond my skill set at the moment so uh, that's all that for us so looking forward to that and hopefully after that um, we'll get the lathe up and running at the shed although I have to admit I did spend about two and a half hours this morning um, trying to find a tinkerage sized lathe (laughs) that was within my budget Uh, uh, watchmaker's one uh, I was thinking more wood rather than watchmakers. But, uh, I was just thinking
1: size, yeah. So, well, size wise,
0: watchmakers would be a watchmaker's would be probably be ideal. Um, although they're not generally within budget
1: because
0: mm. watchmakers' lathes are, uh, yeah, yeah, you don't especially the new ones, yeah, yeah. they're the, really uh, expensive.
3: The the, the Viking style pole lathe that I made when I you was know, <laughs> 10, 10, 20 years, not 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Uh, that all collapsed flat. It was, um, you know, a bit of bamboo and a bungee cable and some two-by-fours that I had a sliding stock on to hold the, the wood and stuff. But the whole thing could fold down and put in a duffel bag. So that's always an nice. option, Andy. I mean, yeah, that involved
0: working the outdoors, old... though. Yeah, that was involved working outdoors, and the, Yeah, having to kind of, yeah, get one leg very strong. <laughs> um...
3: Or get an assistant or an apprentice somebody's
0: yeah mm-hmm. I see yeah I've I I got a spare bike down in one of the sheds yeah I can see if I can set something up with a bike so you have to pedal while you cut <laughs>
3: <laughs> greenwood sharp tools <laughs> fine.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking yeah a couple of couple of um, clamps on handlebars going up to a couple of nails through make one adjustable uh-huh. <laughs> and just be careful where the chain goes <laughs> Could, could turn the seat backwards i suppose yeah turn, turn the seat the other way around because you're facing the other way yeah, yeah. something what could possibly so go yeah wrong? that's a, yeah <laughs> exactly what could possibly go wrong it's probably the best way to uh, sum up quite a lot of things so yeah that, that that's that's all that's been grabbing my attention lately um massively behind on youtube as usual mm. so Lucas, where can people find you uh, to see what you've been doing
3: the best place to find me for looking at what I've been doing is probably uh, on my Instagram, which is maker underscore Lucas on Instagram. Um, or I'm a, a pretty regular contributor fixture of the Fools with Tools Facebook group. You are, indeed. Uh, yeah. So... Um, I'm usually knocking around in there somewhere <laughs> also. Uh, so those are probably the two best places to find me. I did have a, a YouTube channel for a bit, but it was too much work and I hated it. So I just deleted the whole thing.
1: Uh, um, I suppose there is also the, the, spoiler, uh, the spoiler alert for those who uh, wish to meet you in the flesh in a couple of months' time.
3: Oh, yes. I didn't know whether we were doing that yet, Jamie. But you can meet myself and Jamie together yeah. in the same place for a beard off i'm growing mine out to try and <laughs> um to uh at maker central this year in mm-hmm. may uh, and i'll be running a little class there and so will jamie and we'll be doing some cool stuff come along bring your children especially if they're okay. pyromaniacs or if they're uh, taking oh. apart all your electronics and they need to push in the right direction so you
0: making puppets this year uh
3: sort of a spin on puppets um you know, like uh, Cookie Monster and any puppet with a live hand, working hand, that's quite a yeah. quick process to make that hand. Um, so we're going to do a rolling program because last time we could only do six six puppets a day, really. So mm-hmm. only six people out of however many thousand come could make a puppet, which is a bit disappointing. Yeah. So hopefully, we're doing quicker things. Uh, so we're going to make a you can make a set of either furry or scaly gloves and that takes a few minutes and then we'll have some stations nearby where you can just kind of add stuff to them you know big claws or whatever put in as much or as little time as you want i suppose would be the idea yeah
1: um, that's the, the hope for the setup
3: yeah
1: sounds
0: good sounds good well get some people to to look forward to
1: mm-hmm.
0: right so yeah we'll probably you, you time so to much you, it. yeah
3: it's been uh, great chatting to you thanks for having me had very yeah. good fun good good Good,
0: and we'll uh, we'll see folks next week. I can't remember who we've got next week. We did. We have someone. We have someone. (laughs) Yeah, that's. I think. I think. Have to double check. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 We have some for the week after. Yeah. Yeah. We have have to start getting a few more people in. Right. Anyway. Bye, folks. Thanks for listening. See you next week.
2: Bye.